And then I thought, by golly, if I could put a, some sort of a special tip on that bullet, it would be something I think everybody would love to have. And I kept kicking that around a lot. And I was very familiar with the Remington bronze point. The problem I figured with the bronze point is the bronze is too heavy. Okay, guys, well, we're going to be talking about ballistic tip. We're going to listen to John Nosler talk about um, how they created ballistic tip. And But first, let's talk about you guys. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Johnson, he's here with us today. Ryan uh, has a company called Oregon Outfitters and uh, FFL and SOT. Tell us what SOT stands for. I'm a class three SOT. SOT stands for special occupations tax. That just means that I can deal in NFA items like all the fun stuff, which is short barrel rifles, short barrel shotguns, and uh, most popular are suppressors. Oh, sure. Yeah, they've gotten really popular for both recreational shooters and hunters. Yeah, you know what I'm kind of excited about is this low velocity 30 30 mm-hmm. 45 70 stuff Perfect. and i'm thinking man that's some more money i gotta spend i thought <laughs> i had enough gun yeah let me know <laughs> let me know how i can help you gary now you're on instagram ryan yes sir what's your instagram handle? uh instagram handle uh personally i'm at action.johnson and then uh, my business account is oregon outfitters all right and you guide for fin and fire which is a fly shop i do yep here in redmond i guide uh, the lower deschutes and the crooked river and you say here in Redmond, and for people who are listening, that means Redmond, Oregon. Oregon, yes, sir. Yep. And um, then you guide varmint hunts? Yep, out uh, eastern Oregon. That's more towards Burns, Crane area. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then your day job, power line excavation. My real job, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm in uh, in construction. We we build and rebuild major transmission lines mm-hmm. uh, all throughout the West Coast. I have a little bit of experience with that on the design end of things yeah. from, from a long time ago. Okay, and then also we've got with us Flip Freeman. Now, Flip, his real name is Philip, and we all just shorten it. That slurs better off your lips that way. Yeah. You were in the Army in the late 80s, and you're a shooting enthusiast. That's how you and I got to know each other, and we've hunted together. You've got a dental practice in Bend, Oregon. I do. When mm-hmm. I'm not creating smiles with tight groups, I'm creating smiles <laughs> in people's face. Ah, uh, there you go. Elk hunter, mule deer hunter, you're a long-range shooting enthusiast, but... I know that you are are more on the side of, I like to shoot steel at long range and like to get close. I do. I I, I like long range shooting. Uh, I have taken animals to 750 yards. I do think the long range game has taken some of the sport out of hunting, but to have that skill set when an animal is four or 500 yards away on the last day is a nice skill set to have. It, it really is. Plus, it's fun shooting long range. It anyway. is. It is. Yeah. And uh, so as we're talking about ballistic tips today, you've you've got a lot of um, insight into bullets and bullet performance. What are your, some of your favorite bullets, Flip? Um, some of my, you know, the, I actually used a lot of Nosler products in the past, uh, partitions, the ballistic tips, and the Acubons. Uh, the Acubons are, are a really accurate bullet. I used them for quite a while. Uh, I have used the Burgers, another very accurate round. Uh, I have started leaning more towards uh, a penetrating bullet, uh, and I've found uh, the Hornady ELDX to be 
um, a little bit better performance uh, in penetration, mm -hmm. personally. Yeah, and I think a person really needs to find what bullet performs well in their rifles. And, you know, I, I have a rifle that shoots the Acubon long range very well, and then I've got another rifle that shoots ballistic tip very well. And, and for me, it's all nozzler all the time. But, of right. course, for you, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I can. I, I can say I reload. I help friends reload. And the first bullet that I usually have them test is the Acubon. It seems to be the most consistent in giving tight groups. And I think out to 500 yards, it performs really well. I've got some desires to do some uh, big game hunting. And most of the guides I've talked to ahead of time have asked not to bring plastic tipped bullets. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a, whether it's a thick hair or a thick hide or a tough animal, they want, they want to make sure that they've got a bullet uh, that's penetrating. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so Ryan, um, what are some of your favorite bullets? And you can talk from the varmint yeah, standpoint if you like. Yeah, um, I gotta, I gotta go with the Acubon. That's my all-time favorite favorite bullet. I prefer a 308. I've always shot 30 cal, and uh, for for all of my big game hunting, I shoot uh, shoot the 308. The 168 grain Acubon is my go-to for deer and elk. But yeah, I, I can speak for for the ballistic tip as well. Um, I think I may, I, I can't, I can't claim this one hundred percent, but I'm pretty sure I had the first 22 nozzler uh, that was on the market. Oh yeah, yeah, See, yeah. That I, was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah, I just, uh, I had just gotten into building my own ARs, and that 22 nozzler came out. We were on a hunt together, and you we had were. that that 22 yeah, nozzler. Yeah, that was that was right right around the time that it came out. So I, I was in the process of a build. And they the the plan with that 22 nozzler was just to make it so interchangeable with the existing ARs that you might have, and uh, so I just ended up throwing a barrel on one one that I already had built. And uh, I've been shooting those uh, 22 caliber uh, ballistic tips for all sorts of uh, varmints, coyotes, uh, badgers. Even uh, even a sage rat every once in a while. Oh yes, yeah. especially that. <laughs> so yeah, the Acubond uh, has been my go-to just about since day one. Um, I've reloaded a bunch of my own ammo with it, and uh, just just that's my all-time favorite bullet. I had incredible performance from it, but uh, I love the ballistic tip as well. When I was working on this book, John Nosler going ballistic. So that was back in two thousand two, two thousand three. I remember John saying to me one day, he says. Gary, we need you to start shooting the Acubond. We need to get some stories with the Acubond. And I'd been shooting the partition for a long time at that point mm -hmm. and totally sold on it. But when he told me that I needed to switch to Acubond, boy, I switched to Acubond. Yeah. <laughs> and awesome. I love that bullet, too. Well, Ryan and I are going to get along because my my first uh, love of calibers was a 308. I mm -hmm. still have my very first 308 that yeah. I ever had. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, I had it loaded for big game for with the Nosler partition. But we started carrying that around because it was pretty accurate. It's not like today's guns. I mm -hmm. mean... The bolt sounds like a kitchen door of, of uh, utensils when it, when it runs back and forth. But we started shooting 150 grain ballistic tip uh, for coyotes. Yep. And uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's listen to John talk about making the ballistic tip. We developed a method of grinding that old jive curve on all of them, and every bullet is uh, has a different radius. They were beautifully done. I was uh, very interested in getting the extrusion deal underway. It's like I've said before, there was no extruding done in the United States 
prior to World War II, and all of our information on extruding came from the German engineers that we consulted with. So what was going on was they were making the partition bullets on a lathe. And if you look at those old partition bullets, and I can show some to you, you'll see the machining on each bullet. So it's an incredibly demanding process that they had to get down and make it happen fast so that they could make a profit on the on the products that they were turning out. But when they wanted to go to make ballistic tips, they'd been making the solid base bullet and doing a good job on that, but it, it was time to improve it. They wanted to make bullets like jewelry. They wanted to make they wanted to make a good looking bullet, and th so that was part of the thinking process. So while they're making these partition bullets on a lathe and going through all the steps that they have to do to put two lead cores in a bullet, John knows that there's a better way, and it's called extrusion. But extrusion wasn't being done in the United States at that time. It, it had been done in Germany prior to World War II. I, I finally got some books. I got one German book on it, uh, written by a, a German that was running a German job shop. So John, if you think back to his story, he owned a trucking business in Ashland, Oregon. And from Ashland, he would drive down to California, or his drivers would, and they would pick up fruits and vegetables, and they'd bring them up to Oregon to sell them. Ashland was a good base for that, and he would they would take their fruits and vegetables up into Roseburg, Eugene, and then they'd also take them over to Klamath Falls. Mm -hmm. And so he began hunting in that Green Springs area, which is where I killed that big blacktail right there. And he he started um, carrying a thirty thirty alongside the seat of his truck, and then he'd, mm -hmm. he'd bring a deer home sometimes. <laughs> and on his trips down to San Francisco, he would take time to go to the bookstores and the old bookstores and the old libraries and learn as much as he could about these manufacturing processes. Because this is a man who was a high school dropout. He dropped out of high school in 1929. And so he's a self-taught ballistics engineer. And he would set up various types of different presses to do certain types of extruding done in Germany. And he was running a job shop out of it, which I thought was tremendous because the experience that guy accumulated was very interesting to me. And I gobbled up everything that he put down. Now, his book, did he write it in English or in German? It was in English. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank goodness. Somebody changed it over, I think. Yeah. It gave me, a, after reading his book, gave me an awful lot of it encouragement and I knew that the, if I were ever to get any place from a cost standpoint of, of bullets uh, I would have to get into something like extrusion mm -hmm. uh, where your your material comes in wire form you have to shear that off you don't uh, cut it by and make it into chips you have to shear it then you bump the sheared slug into a near perfect cylindrical shape as you can and uh, then that goes to the annealing of and so all parts of it is as an even the uh, temper so the one side doesn't the punch doesn't enter one side easier than the other and, and head that way so you got to be very careful that your metal is all very uniform well I made up the a set of dies and I had the an extra 
punch press. I tooled that up to experiment. I got carried away on experiments and, and made the, the ballistic tip bullet. And the, the rear of it was solid. Mm -hmm. The front was had the lead core in yeah. it. And uh, rather than to run the solid part through the rifling at that time, I, I was a little bit leery of that. So I rolled annual rings in there. The, the metal could flow back into the vacancy. Uh, and in fact, I had to make them a little bit heavier two or three times because the bullet went through too easy. <laughs> so you, you learn a little bit on something new you never done sure. before. So the Zepedo bullet was a, a fun thing, kind of. It paved the way for the solid base bullet. At that time, right in there, we joined Little Poland Stevens. They were very uh, beneficial to us because of their tremendous sales organization. And I, I was very happy to get, get to use some of their knowledge and their expertise there, besides just being awfully nice people and, and fun to be with. So I made the solid base bullet, just a lead tip, and it turned out to be have some accuracy potential. We played around with that and had some fun. And then I thought, by golly, if I could put a, some sort of a special tip on that bullet, it would be something I think everybody would love to have. And I kept kicking that around a lot. And I was very familiar with the Remington bronze point. The problem I figured with the bronze point is the bronze is too heavy. And uh, if you're going to bring out the ultimate accuracy in a bullet, uh, <laughs> I had figured had, you had to have a light tip, bullet had to be longer, mm -hmm. and the weight was, had to be heavy in the back. So that was the reason for the plastic. I, I was quite sure that there's certain types of plastic that would stand that tremendous jolt, and it turned out to be just the ordinary, common, or everyday <laughs> plastic works beautiful. It's easy to make and less expensive. So it, it took me two years <laughs> Before I could convince the rest of the organization that we should put the money into uh, this plastic tip thing, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd named it right off the bat ballistic tip yeah. because of the extra high ballistics that it would it bound to have. Old Jack Slack was their sales manager and an uh, awful nice guy. He and I loved to rock chuck hunt together. God, we shot more stuff. And, Jack came down one time, we were having our two or three directors meetings a year, and Jack said, John's got a terrific idea, he said, I think, and I think we ought to go pursue it. And that was it, and that did it. When you brought the ballistic tip out, what was the first hunt that that ballistic tip went on? Uh, yeah, Jack and... Slack and I, uh, north of uh, Redmond a ways, uh, Jack had run into a rancher that had a lot of extra property and a heck of a lot of rock walls. He leased his the hunting rights on his whole ranch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Jack got me in the first darn thing. We had to go over there and uh, try these uh, list tip bullets. We spread a huge tarp down, put some, and had some bedrolls and laid the guns on those bedrolls and just laid there in perfect ease and when the, the rock chuck it, we had one rock wall at a hundred yards and there was a couple more little guys in between and there was one out here something like 400. Uh -huh. Now it might have been 
325 or 350 or 375, but we, but uh, I had a, a little old rangefinder that was very poor quality, and it said 400. So mm -hmm. <laughs> again, I think it's probably 350, maybe. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, Jack and I had shot a whole day out there, and we stopped to, to eat a lunch that we'd had drink some coffee. So I looked at the long range and there was a magpie out there eating on the those darn old rock chucks. <laughs> and uh, I said, by golly, that Jack said, you think you could hit him? And I said, I don't know, I'll try. And I, I said, all right, I'll bet you dinner tonight I hit him. We, we, we had an awful lot of time to fine tune those rifles. Uh, so I had my 22-250 with a heavy uh, mash grade barrel and <laughs> A good 16 bar scope. <laughs> I fiddled around, fiddled around, and fiddled around and pulled the trigger, and the feathers flew. <laughs> so, so Jack says, "All right, there's another one coming up there." And uh, I said, "All right for the drinks <laughs> for the evening meal." Well, so I got them both, and so that was quite a conversation piece. Yeah. So all along, they've been making the partition bullet, but it's incredibly expensive. They, they know they need to have some other products to bring to market. So they started in making a bullet called the Zepito. From the Zepito came solid base, and the solid base grew in to be the ballistic tip. And from ballistic tip, you know, they learned a lot of the lessons that would serve the Acubond. Mm -hmm. Did the Zepito have a special tip on it, or was it? Uh, no. So he mentioned that he wanted to bring to market a, a tipped bullet. A plastic is, tip bullet. This was yeah. in the 80s. Was there other bullet manufacturers that were starting to utilize tips, or is he the first one to go on that route? The Remington had a bronze point. So and, a metal, a metal mm -hmm, tip. Mm -hmm. And did it? And he, he liked that bullet. He was impressed by that bullet, but... He thought that putting the metal up front, you know, too heavy. was adding mm -hmm. some weight where it didn't need to be. And same concept, the way it uh, allowed the bullet to fragment, or did that bronze well, tip it, it would act differently? It would initiate expansion. Okay. And I don't know if you ever shot any of those bronze tips, but I ended up with a bunch of them one time, and I shot them on Prairie Dogs in my 308 out in Wyoming. <laughs> They just, work good just, on prairie just dogs. A three, too. Just a 308 for the prairie dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah. 308 is awesome I, on prairie dogs. A fair chase. It's all. <laughs> <laughs> what color were the tips on those first bullets? We, oh, the first ones, uh, we had all kinds of funny looking color combinations, mm -hmm. experimental. Uh, we were. I was only interested in the shape. Yeah. And uh, to develop a shape that ab absolutely we could feed through a tube. Mm -hmm. And it's compatible with the bullets. So what he's talking about here is they've got to make thousands and thousands and thousands of bullets to satisfy me, a mar you, just me, and you, yeah. and, and me, me. and uh, the market. They have to feed these ballistic tips, these little plastic things, through a tiny little tube, so they can get stuck into the tips of these bullets. You know, one's coming out every second. It's coming out of that machine, just boom, 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 you know, as they get finished off of the press. I ended up uh, with an adventure of, of using a vacuum pump to pull those plastic, little plastic deals through a tube from the 
popper to the thighs. Mm -hmm. And then we pushed them with a little blast of air, too. Mm -hmm. And they, they, mm -hmm. they got to get out of there in a hurry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyhow, somebody then came up with the idea, why don't we uh, have a different color for every callum? And I, that was a hell of a good idea. Yeah. That, that really put the thing together. You know, I, when I was working on this project with John, I would wake up at night and hear those machines out there in, on the on the shop floor in my dreams. I would hear the just the chunk, chunk, yeah. chunk of those machines. I was dreaming his dreams <laughs> at that point, right? Uh, this, I'm sure there are worse things to, yeah. to dream about, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I knew I was getting it right, you know, at that point when I wake up and I hear those machines. But, you know, I got to say something about Bob Nosler at this point, because Ballistic Tip, he was running the company by this time, Bob was, and mm -hmm. making a lot of the decisions. And this was really a big hit for, for Bob and one of his um, real achievements. People all around the world started shooting Ballistic Tips. Time I was doing these interviews with John, he was 89 years old and he was sharp, sharp, sharp. And mm -hmm. Even after the book came out, so had been out several years, we, we all went out to the COSA range and we dedicated the thousand yard range mm -hmm. to John. And I remember that. Yeah. He fired the first three or four bullets down range. And what people didn't know about that was that he held those bullets within a minute of angle at a thousand yards. Wow. And so at, at a thousand yards out there on that big piece of plywood, he, held i think it was three bullets three shots three bullets within nine inches at what age at the age of 94 that's awesome <laughs> that's yeah. incredible and you know that's what you know if you love your work it keeps you vital for a long time and, and this is a man who loved his work hey guys i want to tell you about john nosler going ballistic the book it's the book about the story of the nosler partition and how one little company brought you the most accurate, best hunting bullets in the business. You know about the partition, you probably use ballistic tips, and you know AccuBond and AccuBond Long Range and ETIP. Now read the story of John's triumphs and failures and how a little company based in Bend, Oregon, grew from a kitchen table to turn out the best bullets in hunting and shooting and learn how they really transformed hunting and shooting at Nosler Bullets, Nosler Incorporated. The book's called John Nosler Going Ballistic. Look for it at GaryLewisOutdoors.com and Amazon.com, Nosler.com, and in bookstores. Hey guys, if you liked this episode, tell your friends. Hit like and subscribe and come back and download the next episode. Start at the first one or skip around or start at the last episode, work backwards. We dare you. We double dog dare you.